0: Well, astronaut Michael Collins once said this, the average man speaks enough words in one year to fill 66 books, 800 pages long. A man speaks about 20,000 words a day. The average woman, 30,000 words a day. Now, from his point of view, the problem is he said, I speak my 20,000 at work, but my wife doesn't start her 30,000 until I get home. We've all learned the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? I think we need to learn from the Proverbs today another R, this thing called relating. Understanding better how to use our words, how to use our tongues that God has given to us to articulate our thoughts and feelings in a much better way than most of us are doing. Speaking of the proper word, use of words and possibly silence as we've considered these uh, Proverbs already, one of my favorite stories has to do with a monk who signed on with a very strict monastic order. In fact, they were so strict that the monks had to take a vow of silence. And they could only be breaking that once every five years with two words. Okay? After the first five years, the monk went in to see the abbot for his two-word interview. The abbot said, My son, you have been with us for five years now. What two words would you like to say? The monk said, Bed hard. I see, said the abbot. You are excused. After five more years, the monk went in again to see the abbot, and the abbot addressed the monk with, "'So you've been with us ten years already now. "'What two words would you like to say now?' The monk said, "'Food bad.' "'I see,' the abbot said, "'You are excused.' After five more years, fifteen in total, the man appeared before the abbot one more time, and again the abbot asked, "'What would you like to say?' The monk replied, "'I quit.'" The abbot responded, well, I'm not surprised. All you've done since you got here is complain. (laughs) Friends, the proverbs help us see that we've already read together aloud in a moment ago. I read to you a moment ago that there's a big difference between merely speaking and effective communication. If we're all really honest with ourselves, we have to admit that we have a lot of growing to do in this area. Just because we can flap our jaws does not mean we know how to effectively use words or sometimes even appropriately do so. Most of us somehow think we're pretty good at communicating, don't we, just because we can talk. This reminds me of years ago when my family moved from Mount Prospect to Oakbrook. I grew up in Mount Prospect playing this sport called baseball. And in baseball, they teach you how to hit the ball really hard and really far. And hitting a ball over a fence in baseball is a great thing. They call it a home run. But we moved to Oakbrook, and tennis was a game that everybody was starting to play back in the 70s. And my parents suggested that I take some lessons to learn how to do it. And I thought I was pretty good at it. I could hit a tennis ball over a fence. It was really good. But then I learned it's not a good idea. That's not the objective of the game. is to try and keep it within the lines. So they hooked me up with the tennis pro over at the Oakbrook. Uh, racket club over here named Dennis, you might have known him back then, great guy, and I thought he'd have a few minor pointers for me about my tennis game. Basically, he started saying things like, well, actually, it's your forehand that needs work, your backhand, your serve, your volley, your grip, your footwork, your overhead smash, your half volleys, your strategy, your everything. He tore my game apart and worked it together from the ground up again. He helped me see that everything I was doing was wrong. And when he was done with me, after about a year or so of lessons, I was the number one tennis player in my high school, junior and senior year. Had I just been that home-run-hitting tennis ball man that I was before that, I would have never made it even onto the tennis team. Well, that's what the Proverbs, I think, will help us do today, just like the pro, point out to us and point out some things that we might be able to get better at, even though we've been at this for quite some time. You see, it takes a lot of practice to change old habits. After those tennis lessons with Dennis over at the Oakport Club, I went home and every day spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hits of a ball against a wall or against a tennis net to put into practice the things he was showing me. And for quite a while, I was really bad at tennis because I was changing everything about it. But over time, after thousands and thousands of practice shots, I developed a pretty decent game. It's the same way with our speech. We've been doing it a long time. We fall into habits of interacting with people, and then we fall into ruts in relationships where all of the communication goes down those paths. And many times, those are bad paths, negative paths, that turn turn out into arguments, and fights, and and, blow-ups, and angry silence, and those sorts of things. So today, we're going to consider some things that I believe We're going to put five things before you here today to consider about how to use our words differently and how to communicate that I believe will impact every relationship in our lives. I believe it will impact our marriages if we're married in a significant and a profound way. It will affect our families to bring reconciliation in many relationships. It will deepen our friendships. It will improve even our prayer life, learning to talk to God in a different way. And literally every relationship in our lives can be altered. Sad to say, many of us, though, are stuck in the rut of two forms of communication, silence or rage, both ends of the spectrum. Really, silence is a form of resentment where we withdraw ourselves from people and punish them somehow by not talking to them, like little children that are going to take their toys and not play anymore until we finally settle down and come back. On the other end of the spectrum, from resentment and freezing somebody out, is flaming them out with rage, spewing out every bit of anger that we have in our hearts and pushing them further away from us. Nothing comes good, no good comes of any kind from releasing rage and anger verbally on anybody. And yet we get trapped into doing that. We get our buttons pushed. Somebody just gets at us in such a way and attacks us and we respond in kind and before long the entire relationship is on fire. James tells us, some very interesting things about our tongues in James chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. And I'm going to read that for you, for, you, for us here today. He says, no one can tame the tongue. That should make you feel pretty good if you've had a hard time doing it. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. James, the writer of the book of James, talks about all of us in this passage, and he says our tongues are a restless evil full of deadly poison. And when we let that out, it impacts, infects, infests, and causes injury in people around us. It's pretty scary stuff to know that we are capable of that. Now Jesus, as Kathy referenced a few moments ago in Luke chapter six, verse 45, said this about our words, a good person brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So friends, if we change our heart, our mouths will actually follow. So we're going to look at five very specific things about using our words in communication today. Number one is when to speak. Number two is when not to speak, to keep silent. Thirdly, what to say, considering who it is we're talking to. Fourthly, how to say it, to be heard and understood. And fifthly, what not to say, putting a very fine filter on every single word we speak. There's an old little poem that says, If your lips you would keep from slips, five things observe with care, to whom you speak, of whom you speak, and how and when and where. It's also been said, Be careful of the words you say, and keep them soft and sweet. You never know from day to day which ones you'll have to eat. So the topic of when to speak, we are a busy people, aren't we? We're coming and going to and fro, busy going every which way. We're involved in so many activities. That when is that opportunity to have a real conversation going to present itself? Well, if we think ahead a little bit, we can do that. First of all, if we're going to have an important conversation with somebody close to us or in a work setting or in our households, make sure that you are in a relaxed state of mind. Make sure that you're calm in your spirit before your mouth opens. Secondly, Talk to God first before you talk to people. Cleanse your heart. Remember, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, if we get the heart in the right attitude on a regular basis, and I suggest this every day, confess to God your need of his help. Confess to God the times you've blown it with things that you said. Ask God for his wisdom before you have any kind of important conversation, and he will supply that wisdom to you. A third thing about when is make sure you and the other person are both sober. Adding anger and alcohol is a bad combination, and it lights on fire. Make sure that there's no distractions, and that's really difficult nowadays, isn't it? We have these things always ready to distract us, right? With text messages and tweets and Instagram and Facebook messages and emails and such. Make sure you set aside a space and a time when both of you will not and cannot be distracted by anything. That might be a little scary. So we don't want to be trying to have conversations when the other person doesn't really want to be talking to us. We want to be talking to them when we've got a humble posture before God and maybe even suggest to you, I suggest to you, if it's really an important conversation, pray together with the person before you begin talking. Bring the Holy Spirit into the conversation. We read the slide a little bit ago. It says, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. We can learn to become peacemakers in conversation with people if we will resist the urge to express our anger. Secondly, when not to speak. That's the when we should speak. When we're in a calm spirit, when we're prayed up, we're ready, prepared. Secondly, when not to speak. Well, James says it this way in James 1.9. He says, speak little and listen much. If we can enter every significant conversation we have with a mindset, I'm going to listen first. Even if that's to a half-hour monologue from the other person, you're going to listen first to understand who it is you're speaking to and what concerns him or her. Psalm 4.4 says this, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. So what I'm getting at here is don't let anger be the beginning point of any conversation. Understand, when you're angry, when your emotional temperature is rising, and sometimes a conversation starts out okay, and then the further you go and things get brought up, things long past get brought up again that you thought were forgiven and forgotten. You find out they weren't so forgotten. And Remember 30 years ago, you did or said this, and you forgot our anniversary. You did their, It all starts coming out again, and then your anger starts going further. That's the time not to keep talking. That's the time to put the pause button on and back off and say, wait a minute, this maybe is not the right time to pursue this, like the psalmist says. Think about it overnight and come back to it fresh in the morning. Also recognize when you are exhausted, you've had a really hard day at work, you've had a lot of agitation, someone's been mean or angry with you at work, and you're holding that anger inside. We can oftentimes transfer that and bring it home with us, unwittingly venting it. And you're really not mad at the person you're talking about, you're mad at somebody else. Recognize your own emotional temperature, and it will greatly improve your communication. I'd also suggest not trying to have a significant conversation with somebody in the bottom of the ninth inning, the seventh game of the World Series, (laughs) with the game on the line, three and two count, bases low, and the Cubs are down by three runs, okay? I would not suggest bothering whatever Cub fan in your household. Not then, okay? Many years ago, that happened to me when the White Sox were in the playoffs in 1983. A lady friend of mine, we're in a relationship and she chose just as that game was about to end and the Sox were about to get knocked out of the playoffs uh, to try to have a very significant conversation. It wasn't the right time, okay? Be smart about this. It's also wise, I wish I'd made this up, but it's not mine, but it's an anonymous quote, it's wise to remember that anger, A-N-G-E-R, is just one letter short of danger, D-A-N-G-E-R. Be careful with your words. Proverbs 10, 19 says this, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. And then when the time comes, what to say? When we get the right framework, we're in the right mindset, we've filtered out or toned down our anger, what are we gonna say? We have to consider who it is we're talking to. Consider how they're feeling. Consider how they're going to feel after we said what we're trying to say. Are they feeling well themselves this day? We have to understand that, the what to say. And to choose words carefully that build the other person up. To choose words that are not gonna tear them down, but rather build them up. Proverbs 20, 12, 25 says, a word of encouragement does wonders. Try it, see what happens. I'm going to give you some other tips on this in a minute, but if you start to bring words of encouragement to your spouse, to your children, to your parents, to your friends, to your boss who's driving you nuts, and start bringing words of encouragement into your regular parlance with the person, watch what happens. It can actually do wonders in a relationship. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Do not let any zero unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So this is a serious uh, consideration, actually not letting anything come out of our mouths that is inappropriate or in any way, shape, or form is going to harm or injure or wound another person. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. So friends, I want us to consider together because all of us are likely in this boat. Sometimes we have used our words and they've wounded others. But the proverb gives us encouragement if we can wisely speak healing words, we can undo some of that and we can bring healing. And usually that healing starts with, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have spoken to you in that way. It was inconsiderate, and I was completely wrong. Apologizing sincerely will do wonders to heal things that you've said that have wounded another person. Proverbs 15:1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. Instead of responding with fire for fire when someone attacks us or someone accuses or someone comes at us, is a gentle answer can put that fire out and change the course of a conversation. So based on Ephesians, where it says to use words to build each other up, I want to encourage you to do something. I suggest this to couples often as they're working through the relationship, is make a list, and I mean intentionally sit down and make a list, of the ten best qualities of the person that you're having difficulty with. They're there. You might have to look harder than you think. Make a list of those things, the things you like about them, the things you respect about them, their actual strengths. And then intentionally weave affirmation of those positive qualities into your conversation someplace, one or more of them, every single day. That's what the scriptures are telling us, to filter out the abusive, filter out the profane, filter out those things, and to bring into our conversation words that will affirm and build people up. Watch what happens if you start doing that in your households. All your relationships are going to start changing, even in your workplace, as hard as that might be, with a co-worker, or a colleague, or somebody else, your boss, or, or somebody in the organization that's it's just in a dog-eat-dog world, they're trying to take your job, trying to get your promotion, whatever else it is, try a different approach, and watch what happens. Fourthly, we want to think about how to say things to people so that they will actually be heard and understood. Well, that takes some consideration we have to learn the other person's not just their love language but what way are they going to understand what you're trying to say to them if you go down the same paths they're going to get the same results you have to rethink how we're going to do that we have to be fully present at every moment in a conversation with somebody that's significant to us and that means looking them in the eye looking deep in their hearts and understanding and they will know you are present But then the scriptures tell us is to speak the truth when it comes time for that, and often that's the case, in love. Thinking about how they're going to feel, thinking how it's going to benefit their life, working with them to understand what you're trying to communicate. And if you can't speak the truth in love, shut your mouth. That's an important how. There's so much truth we're trying to help other people see, but we do it in the wrong way and it defeats the purpose. People in your lives, the people closest to you, need to know your perspective. They need to know the truth that you can help them with, and you need theirs as well. But when we don't approach it the right way in the proper sense of love, we miss the great opportunity that we have. And never assume that somebody understands you, even though you think you've clearly spoken. Some years back when I was going through college at Bethany Bible College out in Santa Cruz, I took a job about 30 hours a week while I was doing my studies to help with my expenses out there. And I was made the regional manager for a door-to-door sales company, okay? And that doesn't sound like a fun thing, right? Door-to-door sales, people are "Are you kidding? Who would want to do that? Well, we became very successful. Our teams from this Bible college, all budding preachers, of course, with the gift of gab and gift of whatever else you want to call that. And so we became so successful, a lot of the guys came back and started telling everybody, we're making a fortune doing this. It's a lot of fun. So everybody in the whole school wanted to go selling door-to-door. And I would screen out some of the people, but there was one young woman, Carol Svensson was her name, 18-year-old young woman, she looked about 14, and she said, I want to try this. I'm like, you know, Carol, this is probably not the right thing for you. But she said, no, I want to try. So took her through all the training materials, and then I took her out with me door-to-door for a couple of nights, three-hour sessions we do, this sort of thing, and we sold a ton, okay? It was like giving them out like hotcakes, okay? And she goes, I think I'm ready to try it on my own now. I said, okay. Next night, I dropped her off like I dropped off the other rest of the teams, and they went through the neighborhoods and came back after three hours. She goes, I didn't sell one. Next night, she goes out again, shut out again. After three nights of her being shut out, she came back to me and just said, I don't understand, it was so easy when you were with me, and why won't they buy the, I said, Carol, just, just don't leave the doorstep without getting the sale, just have that mindset, you're gonna sell this person. So the fourth night, she, armed with that, she goes out, I drop everybody off in the territory. After an hour, I'd driven around to see, around to see how everybody's doing, I looked down a Long Street, this is in California, the Bay Area, East Bay Area, Long Street, and I see two police cars with their lights on. I'm like, what's going on down there? Carol, I hope she's okay. I drive closer and I see police escorting Carol, little Carol Svensson off this doorstep down to the police car. She was being arrested. She had approached this house, rang the doorbell. The woman said she didn't want it and she wouldn't leave the doorstep. She kept ringing the doorbell and kept, and I'm like, Carol, that's not what I meant. Think this through. So I explained to the police, you know, they let her off and the woman understood. It was almost comical, but she was pretty upset. Just because we've said something, it's important that we understand, have they heard me? Have they understood me? And it's good to ask that question and let people ask you that question. That's what good communication is about. Proverbs 16.23 says, Intelligent people think before they speak, and what they say then is more persuasive, thinking ahead. Fifthly and lastly is we need to be aware of what not to say to put that very fine filter on every single word, we speak, as I mentioned from Ephesians a moment ago. So here are some of the nevers. Never breach someone else's confidence and tell their secrets to somebody else. That's a never. You want to ruin a relationship? Talk behind their back and tell something that they've shared with you in confidence. Never use harsh, cutting words or abusive speech. Never use profanity or name-calling in a conversation with somebody. Never use demeaning words calling somebody a loser, or worthless, or other kinds of put-downs. Never use slanderous words behind someone's back. If you need to say something about somebody, find a way to go talk to them about it, instead of talking to their ten best friends. And never allow any gossip or malicious talk to come out of your mouth. These are all of these things are forbidden in Scripture, they're called sin, actually, in the Bible. The quote that says this, the tongue has no bones, but it is strong enough to break a heart. So be careful with your words. And Rebecca Ennis puts it this way, when the milk is splattered all over the floor and those little eyes are looking at you for your reaction, remember what really matters. It takes five minutes to clean up spilled milk. It takes much longer to clean up a broken spirit. And Bruce Waltke put it this way, a fool's tongue is long enough to cut his own throat. So friends, as we move to closing here this morning, I wanna share some applications. Really in life, as Brian Tracy puts it in his, one of his books, there's really only four things we can do. We can do more of some things, we can do less of some things, we can start doing new things, and we can stop doing old things. So I want to encourage you, friends, to start doing more of these things. To think much more about what we're going to say before we say it. Secondly, more recognizing when your emotional temperature is rising and your mouth should be closing as your temperature is going up. Learn to do more of saying nothing when it warrants it. Learn more about speaking well of others, about them, to others, and to their faces. Do more of expressing affirmation and gratitude to everyone every day. And last but not least, pointing people to Jesus with your words. Tell people about who he is and why you have strength in your life. Some things we can need to do less of, careless, thoughtless chatter, gossip even when it's true, slander even when everyone is doing it. And maybe we can start doing some new things. Being the first to say, I'm sorry, even when the other person is 99% wrong. Blessing those who curse us, praying for those who abuse us, speaking only words that will build up everybody around you, and develop a daily affirmation plan to everyone close to you. Think about ahead of time what you want to say. And then stop doing some old things, speaking evil of others. That has become so prevalent. You can't turn on any radio, any TV program. You can't get on the internet anywhere without hearing people speaking evil of somebody. No matter which persuasion, whichever side of the equation you're on, it's just filling our society. It's polluting our society. It's destroying our culture. And friends, we need to rise above that. We need to speak, stop speaking harshly to people, no matter who it is. Stop telling lies to make ourselves look better. Stop using coarse or profane language that might offend somebody. And ultimately, friends, stop all of the character assassination that we're doing behind people's backs and learn to speak the truth and love. I close with a simple little graphic for you. Think before you speak. Is it truthful? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it needful? And is it kind? And from the Punch magazine back in April of 1875, a little poem. There was an owl lived in an oak. The more he heard, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Oh, if men were all like that wise bird. Friends, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, which sheds a light on our path and a light on our hearts Lord, through this book of Proverbs, we hear many things to give us wisdom in all our dealings, and today we hear from your word about how to relate to people by using our words more carefully. Help us, help me, Lord, to change and to think before I speak. Lord, we have spoken to our wives, our husbands, our parents, our children in a way that we have no place in speaking. We've said things in frustration or anger. Lord, we confess to you that our words have hurt others. We ask you first to forgive us. We also ask you to give us the courage to use our words to heal those relationships. Lord God, we ask you to empower us by the same Holy Spirit that authored these words in Scripture to live these things out to your glory and to your honor in Jesus' name. Amen.